How's everybody feeling today? Powerful. How's everybody feeling today? Powerful. How's everybody feeling today? Powerful. What are we? Freedom. What do we do? Get it's time to make it. Freedom. Let's get to First game. One. Let's go. Okay, so let us continue with the prosperity principles. And before I get into the next one, I really hope that as you're listening to this, that you are actually taking notes and that you are going to apply what we've been talking about because these principles work. And hearing them is great, <laughs> you know, conscious, now, now you've become consciously aware, if you weren't before, and some of you may have already been aware of it, you know, and some people have been aware of it, but haven't been doing anything with it, right? And one of my mentors said, you know, uh, to know and not to do is not to know. Because if you know better, you really should be doing better, right? So, you know, so I really hope that you are taking this in, you're taking notes, and then you're going to begin immediately put these principles into action. You're going to put these into your daily six, the day-to-day -day functions of your day. It's just going to be a part of how you live, okay? So let's continue with the prosperity principles. So the next one is money management. And money management is extremely crucial because most people that are broke <laughs> don't have a budget. Most people who are broke don't have a budget. You know, like they don't sit down and literally go through step-by-step step of everything that's going out and everything that's coming in. And I was one of those people. And I'll never forget the days of going to the accountant, you know, at the end of the year. And he tell, shows you how much you actually brought in for the year. And then you're looking at that and you're like, huh? Because you're seeing that number and then you're seeing the number in your bank account. <laughs> and it's like, well, where did it all go? <laughs> right? So the reason that we don't know is because we haven't been paying attention. And as soon as you begin to pay attention, oh boy, do things change. And money is sort of like a relationship partner. When you neglect it and you don't pay attention to it, you know, it decides it wants to go hang out with somebody else. <laughs> money will float to somebody else's pocket who's paying attention. It's gonna give it the quality time, right? Like this, you know, it's, it's really, really important that we pay attention to it and manage it. So one of the first steps in money management, uh, one of my mentors, when I was going through my struggle, he said to me, Noel, you gotta learn how to live on 30% of what you earn. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> 30%, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? And he says, no, I'm serious. You need to learn how to live on 30% and bank 70% for the purpose of investing. I was like, well, okay, look, I heard, you know, I've read, you know, The Wealthy Barber, I've read a number of these other books out there, and they all say pay yourself first, which is, in fact, a principle of prosperity, of wealth, of wealth building. But they, most of them say, you know, take 10% <laughs> of what you earn, you know, and then you, um, you know, um, and you take that money out to, to pay yourself first, you know, you, you, you put that away for the purpose of investing, and you live on 90%. And he says, he said to me, Noel, a couple things. One, could you imagine running a business 
and spending 90% of all of the money that came in. What happens if you have a bad month or two or three or four, <laughs> right? And now, particularly that we're living in the age of COVID, I mean, some, my God, like some people have had to go and completely change, just completely sh shift their situation, you know, go and totally pivot and adapt and try to find something else to do. Like if you're living that close to the line, my God, you know what I mean? You, it, it, it's not a safe thing to do. So that's number one. Like, I mean, you should, you got to get your overhead way down. You know, he said, if you manage your costs, the profits take care of themselves. You got to learn to live on 30% of what you make and bank the rest for the purpose of investment. He says, most people live way beyond their means. You, you buy, if you're buying things on credit, largely it's because you can't afford it. <laughs> you can't afford it. And over the time when you didn't buy things on credit, you bought them when you could, when you, when you could pay for them cash, right? Like this. And, but most people are leveraged to the hilt. And he said, and it's not a safe thing. It's not a good way to live, you know? And so he said that, you know, if, but, but here's the thing. If you are working on increasing your income over time, that 30% that you're living on is going to expand. It's going to grow. And now, but the 70% is also going to grow that you're investing. You can retire yourself so much faster, I guess. And when we say the word retire ourselves, simply what we mean is that you have more coming in in passive residual income than you have bills. So what you're earning passively, meaning you don't have to physically go out and earn it, covers all of your bills and some of your thrills. You know what I mean? That's what retirement is, right? And so for some of you who are listening, $2,000 a month might do it. For some people, $3,000, $5,000 a month may do that. Well, you can get there to two and three years, to within two to three years, if you begin to manage your money properly. Five to ten years max. Like, I mean, you can get there. Like, real talk, you can get there. Okay. So, the so so when you start to look at money management, if you want to get down to thirty percent, and some of you, I mean, thirty percent may mean drastic cuts for some of you. You know, and I mean, you don't have to do this. I mean, you could do 50, 50, 50. You could do 60, 40. Hell, if you want to do the 90, 10, it's up to you. You know what I mean? Like whatever you choose to do, but just understand that it takes longer to get where you want to go. And so, you know, if you start cutting out some of the non-essentials and maybe it means instead of like what I did was I remember at one point I was living in, you know, a basement apartment, you know, and, and I was renting and then... I went from that to actually just renting a room. So instead of paying over $1,000 a month in rent, you know what I mean? Now I was paying $300 because I was just renting the room and I'm sharing the amenities. Yeah, I did that for a while. You know what I mean? Like this. And so just to really cut down on the overhead. Some people are, living, are renting properties for two, and you're paying two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 a month in rent. <laughs> oh my God. That's like standing on the end of a street corner, handing out hundred dollar bills every single month. You're not building any equity. You're not building anything. That's like throwing money away unless you're leasing for the on a temporary stay and you're a business owner where you're writing, writing it off. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know what the real benefit in that is. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyhow, nonetheless. So, you know, I had to really shift the way that I was thinking about and managing my money. So I cut down costs. I stopped eating out. Eating out is a luxury. You know, I brown bag it. You know what I mean? If I was on the road, put, had the cooler in the trunk and put food in the cooler, do what you need to do 
temporarily until you can have the things you want. Like when you go out to eat, some people say, what do you mean eating out is a luxury? Well, you know, it's funny. Like right now I have somebody who actually prepares my meals for me, right? Like this, I have somebody that prepares my meals. And when I tell people, they say, you have a chef? And I'm like, yeah, I got a guy who prepares my meals. Yes, yes, a chef. <laughs> and they're like, man, you must be living large. Lord, look at you. And I'm like, well, have you been to a restaurant? And they, yeah. they say, yeah. And I said, well, not only do you have a chef and sometimes multiple chefs, you've got a waiter. Look at you. You're rich. <laughs> right? <laughs> you just don't look at it that way, but it's, it's you're paying somebody to cook for you. That's what going to a restaurant is, right? I guess, and I'm not saying you shouldn't do these things, by the way. Like, I'm just saying that time and place and you need to manage it properly because some people are spending a lot of money doing this and you can't afford it right now. It's just not the time for it right now, right? So the, again, prosperity principles. So when you're setting up your budget, you're looking at, there's your basic expenses, of course, which is all of your household expenses. And then you have, <coughs> excuse me, you know, like your, you know, like your rent and your, or, or your mortgage and, you know, your, your light bill, electricity bill, your, all, you know, all the basic, all the basic um, household bills. But then you've also got, you need to put in your budget a certain amount aside for education. What do you mean, education? Well, I said, well, the diameter of your thinking dictates the circumference of your activity. You, you can't act, act outside of that which you know or understand or outside of that which you're aware of. And so that education, you should be investing in personal growth and development. That should be definitely a part of your budget. Outside of college or university, you need to be upgrading your skills and creating more so you can be more valuable to the marketplace so you can generate more. That's a huge prosperity principle. Now, also there's, of course, there's budget for leisure and entertainment and travel and all those, all those type of things. So the things that are most important to you, you budget it, but you pay attention to it and you stick to it. Stick to it. And, you know, it's, you know, and, and you know, when I, when I was first, you know, brought this idea of living on 30% of what I earned, you know, and, I, and you know, one of the things that uh, Dennis said to me, um, he said to me, he says, Noel, no matter how broke you've ever been, you're, you still manage to survive. You're still here, which means that you were able to eat. You're able to, you know, you're able to live. You're able to, you know, do things, you know, like this. And as broke as you were, you still went on, you still partied. <laughs> right. As a, that's an interesting point. Very, very good point. So the truth of the matter is that we can live on less. And, and I'm not talking about forever. I'm just talking about temporarily. If you don't learn how to manage your money with $100, you won't do it with $1,000. You won't do it with $10,000. You will not do it with $100,000, nor will you do it with a million dollars. Some of you think that money, the, money, the amount that you're earning is the problem. No, that's not the issue. There are people right now who actually earn 50 and 60 grand a year who are in a better situation than some people who earn six figures simply because they manage what they've got better. Some people who earn, because some people have a nice house and nice cars does not mean that they're doing okay. <laughs> you know, some of the people, I know some people personally who got some really nice things and they are sweating each month on how things are going to, how the bills are going to get paid, right? They live way too close to the line. So again, something for you to consider as a prosperity principle. How do you want to live? You know, and instead of maybe, uh, um, instead of uh, leasing a car, Maybe 
you're buying a beater and paying for it cash and so you can reduce your monthly expenses. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things that you can do to reduce your costs. And everything I'm telling you about, I have done it personally. I've done it personally. And I wouldn't be where I am right now had I not done that. I wouldn't be where I am right now. That's a fact. So we've got to manage our money better. So I think I beat the heck out of that point, <laughs> okay? The next step after managing the money, it's really, first of all, getting clear about what you wanna do with that 70%. You always have to remember that there's only two ways that income is generated, money at work and people at work. Most of us are really clear about the trading hours for dollars thing, you know, and because we all do it. Everybody who's working, I don't care what you get paid per hour, as long as you have to physically show up to do the work, <laughs> you're trading your hours for dollars. So I know some people say, time is money. You know, I guess, no, it's not. Because money, I can make back. Time, I never get back. And so what we want to try to do with getting our money to work harder for ourselves is to collapse time and get our time back so that we're no longer trading hours for dollars and our money is now working harder for us than we do for it. Now, so one of the key principles is that money must circulate. It has to circulate. It's not meant to be hoarded. It is not meant to be just stacked in one place. In fact, you know, one of the things that, you know, I have been taught coming up was that, and I think a lot of us have been taught the same thing, is that, you know, when I, when I let's say you, you buy a house, right? And they say, well, do we need, I wanna buy a house because I wanna build an estate. You know, I wanna start to build um, my portfolio. I want to build my legacy, right? And that is a phenomenal thing to do. Agreed, 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 I'm with you. But one of the things that we had been taught is pay off the house as fast as possible. Pay it off so that there is no mortgage, right? And so here, one of my mentors actually in real estate, Sherard um, uh, McQueen, he said to me, he says, why would you want to pay off the house? And I said, I said, what do you mean? Why would I want to pay off the house? And he says, <laughs> he says, Noel, when the money is sitting there and the money is just sitting there, what's actually happening is that we're actually losing money. I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, there's something called inflation. We lose purchasing power every single day, every single day. You know what I mean? And now I don't have time in through this series to get into fractional reserve banking and how the whole monetary system works. I, I, I can't get into that here and our focus is on prosperity consciousness. Suffice to say for right now, I think that we can all agree that what you used to be able to buy a chocolate bar for 20 years ago, you can't buy it for the same money today. You used to be able to buy something for 10, 10 cents and for, you know, for 50 cents. Now it costs two and three dollars for the exact same thing. Why? The value of our money has gone down. And right now, as you hear them talking in the news about stimulus, printing money. So whether it's the Federal Reserve or Central Bank, whether it be the Federal Reserve in the United States, the Bank of Canada, or wherever you happen to live on the planet, as long, the more that they print, the, the value of that money drops. It's a hidden tax, it's a cost. And usually it's about two and a half percent per year. You know what I mean? That we're losing, you know what I mean? On that money. So it's a slow bleed, but it's a bleed nonetheless, right? You're losing thousands of dollars every year just based on inflation. If you just 
had your house and you kept your money sitting there. That money needs to get put to work. You need to leverage it and put it to work. And I'll give you a little um, a word to the wise. You know what's interesting is that banks do not want to keep money on the books. They want, where do they want their money? They want it on the street. <laughs> they want it lent out. They want it invested. They want to be getting returns with that money. In fact, to the point where you know, they have a minimum reserve requirement, um, you know, which simply means you know, when, I go, when, you, when you and I go to the bank and we put our paychecks there, right? When they go and lend out that money, they have to maintain a minimum. It depends on where you are in the world, but anywhere between 10 and 20% is what they have to keep on the books. But the rest is all out. It's all on the streets. So that's, that's what's called a minimum reserve requirement. And some banks in the United States, and you can check this out, go, go on Google and fact check me. In, in September of 2019, there was an issue with what's called the repo market. That's R-E-P-O, the repo market. It's the overnight lending market. And what happens is that sometimes the retail banks, um, you know, when they have problem, um, when, when they haven't met their minimum reserve requirements, because they're required to keep a certain amount on deposit overnight, some of them were having difficulties doing that. And so they borrow money from central banks to do it. And the, and the price of that money was usually between, it was normally around two and a half percent, I guess, and it actually went up to almost 10% in September, October of 2019. Go check it out for yourself and see if what I'm saying is true. So the, so the point simply is, is that these banks, they, they weren't even, they, they don't even want to keep up with the minimum reserve requirements. I mean, they, they want their money is out, they're extended. So why are we trying to hoard the money and hold on to it when the bank is doing something that's different? We need to begin to think like the bank. We need to, be, we need to begin to think like bankers, okay? So the whole idea here is that your money that you have sitting idly, that's not working like this for you, it's, it's literally dying. It's, it's, you're losing value every single day. You know, it's, 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 a small, it's a slow drip, but it's a drip nonetheless. And so the idea is you want to get it working for you. Now, in the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, George Clayson said that you want to create an army of golden slaves. You want to get, you want to get this money working for you hard, and you want, those, and you want those, um, that army to produce more babies. You know what I mean, like this? And you want multiple generations of babies out there working for you, right? Now, just to give you a real simple analogy, you know, let's just say, for example, you had a store, uh, no, okay, let's say a cafe that you opened up, and you were super excited that you, you, kicked, you opened up this business, and you were like, yes, people are gonna come, and I'm gonna give them my croissants, I'm going to give them their lattes, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna hook everybody up, right? Everybody's gonna be good, they're gonna love this place. The food, the service, oh my God, they're gonna, they're gonna be in heaven, you know what I mean, after coming to my cafe. So you did a lot of marketing, you put it out there, the, the mayor's coming down for the ribbon cutting, super excited, everything is going well, right, like this. So he, the, he cuts the ribbon, everybody's like, yeah, let's go, let's eat, let's drink, let's do it, right? Now, I want you to think about this. If you had a lineup that was around the building <laughs> and your staff was behind the counter just staring at the customers and not serving them, 
not serving them. They're staring at them. They have big smiles on their faces, so they got great attitudes. <laughs> but they're not doing anything. They're not working. What would you say to your staff? Get to work. Let's go. <laughs> Come on. You know what I mean? So like you want you got because you want to get that return on your investment, right? Well, when you've got your money sitting idly, it's the exact same thing. Your money is supposed to be your employee. It's supposed to work for you. you um, the money is supposed to be your servant. The problem is that the roles have been reversed and we've become the servants of money. That's why you have to work hard to pay the bills. I have to go do this. I have to go do that. That's called slavery. And the only way to get out of postmodern slavery is to have your money working for you so that you don't have to physically go to work. That's the whole point of, and that's why financial literacy is so, so important. So, so I'll just give you an example of something where in terms of, in the world of investing, of getting your money to work harder for you. So let's just say, you know, you invested in a property, right? And let's just say the house was valued just for easy math, just for easy math. We'll just say the house was $100,000. So I, I, I don't really even know where you can get a house for hundred grand in today's world. Not North America anyway, right? I guess. And so, um, and so, and let's just say you were going to be earning 5% per year equity on that house. So 5% on $100,000 is $5,000 per year, right? It's five grand a year. So if the house was 200,000, you double that. If it's 300,000, you triple it, right? Per year, right? So, so now if you have that property and, and, you, and, and, you, had to, and you had to put $10,000 down to go and buy that property. So that was 10% down that you paid. Uh, like, so you put one generation of your army to work, okay? And so you put down your 10 grand, you got the property, for $100,000, but and you're making five grand a year on that property. So after the first two years, you've broken even. And then after that, now you're in the money. And over time, that money grows, right? So in, in, inside of 10 years, you've got $50,000, right? Now, of course, I'm just giving you an analogy because the truth is some people are doing this inside of two and three years because of where they buy in different areas. The markets go up way faster than others. So I'm just giving you an example. Okay. But the whole point is, is that let's just say, for example, inside of, you know, you got, you know, that $50,000, right? Remember you were, had to live somewhere anyway. You had to be paying to live there anyway. Right. But now you've got this extra cash that's sitting there right now with that extra $50,000. Now, maybe I want to take that 50,000 and I want to go and buy three or four more properties. You know what I mean? Like this, I'm, let's say they were at hundred grand or whatever. We're buying them in the boondocks. The areas are coming up. They're growing. Okay. <laughs> the point simply is, is that now you've got your second generation working for you because now you've got properties and you've got tenants and now your tenants are the ones who are paying down the mortgages on each of those properties. And then every few years, you're what they call refinancing or taking out a home equity line of credit. You're taking money out of the house, profits from inside the house, and you're investing in more properties, which represents your third generation. So I'm just saying that over time, you can really build and grow. You can really build and grow. Like one of my properties, I'm not going to get into all my business here, but I'll just say it for one of the properties that I have, I bought it for... $450,000. Today, that property 
is worth 1.1 million. That's 10 years later, okay? So obviously, if I was to take capital out from that property, I guess, and I went to roll it into other properties, you know, now that's the same money working harder. Is that making sense? So that's what I'm talking about. And there's a ton of different investment vehicles. I'm just giving you one example of getting your money to work hard for you. You could be investing in companies, you know what I mean, like this, and, where, and particularly companies that, um, in, in, where you get dividend payments, which is cash flow. Same thing as you get rent from, uh, you know, uh, 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 from a rental property, you know, from, from tenants, you can get dividends, which is par partial profits of the company if the investment's going well, they, co they come to you every month or every quarter or whenever it comes to you, okay? So that's the, the idea here simply is putting your money to work and getting and getting a return on that and the goal the goal that you should not rest until you get it is when your passive income from your investments can surpass your bills your monthly obligations that is a money major money principle money must circulate you do not want it sitting idly okay so i hope that you're really getting a lot from this and you're really getting into these concepts and I recognize that there may be some right now sitting there saying, Noel, <laughs> I got this money, I, but I have no idea where to start. Like, I, I don't know anything about real estate investing and the, and the like, like, like what, 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 what would you suggest to begin with? Well, for myself, um, I pers personally am involved with private lending and we actually teach people how to become private lenders. And I do also have some people that I work with on the real estate side. So if it's something that's of interest to you, um, you can sh certainly shoot us an email to support at mydreamswork.com. That's support at mydreamswork.com. And, you know, uh, and with the caption of wanting to learn more about real estate investing and make certain to have a phone number attached to that, okay? And uh, a member of the team will reach out to you. The, um, but outside of that, I will also have some other sessions with some of those people as we go through our process, um, separate we um, webinars to go through some of these principles so that you can learn some of the ideas around it. And then of course you can also go on YouTube and you can go on Google and start researching other people and do your own checking and find for folks that resonate with you. Or some of you may know people who are involved with some of these things and you may want to participate with them. Whatever it works out to be, it's all bottom line is you should do something. So, um, so yeah, so I don't worry, we got you. So if you need our help, um, feel, um, feel free to use, utilize our resources. And if not, and if you've got your own resources, go use them, but do something. This concludes part three of the series.